Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Carpe Fide Podcast, where if the shoe fits, you wear it. And if the truth hurts, you bear it. Yes, you do. Um, Alright, well... Hey, how you doing, brother? Uh, you know, overall, not bad. Lot, lots good. to talk about. And I'm happy that we didn't delay too, too long. Too, too? Too, too long. Yes, indeed. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's only been two weeks, as opposed to... Three months. Three months. Yeah, we're getting better. And we are going to we are going to make a weekly podcast. That's what's going to happen. Okay. Yes, that is uh, resolved. We will men one day make a weekly podcast. Yes, one one day make a week. Yes, right. But yes, one day a week we'll one make a podcast. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, um, we got some interesting topics to talk about today, and uh, be sure to stay tuned for the end of the podcast for a special announcement. What? A special what? A special announcement. What? What? what uh, did we talk about this? I should we have thought, talked about it before we got into the I podcast? I thought we did. Stay tuned for the end of the podcast where we will either close or have a special announcement waiting well, for you at the well, end. Well, I think what's going to happen is Jesse will have a special announcement and I'll just be excited. Oh, you will be. I oh mean, my gosh. Are you, you having a sixth kid? you just going to crank more out? Another one? Another one? Too early? Too soon? I love your family. It's a great family. You have all the family. You have more kids, baby. You know, my immediate family's great. My parents are wonderful, but... uh <laughs> Just say it. Go ahead. Anyway. All right. Let's drill down here. What's our topic for tonight, Jesse? Uh, our topic is... I mean, I don't I don't think we even... We didn't talk we really about it. We about a title. I, I, I was thinking uh, our, our title for tonight should be Totalitarianism, Cancel Culture, and Gina Carano. Oh, there we go. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about tonight. So, Oh, look. Does it work out? That's very apt. Apt and a pro. Po. Apt All, right. Pro. All right. So we got some groundwork to lay out here. We're going to give the cultural context first, and then we're going to dive into some scripture and then do a nice little wrap-up. Yeah. So unless, Sounds quick. Uh, but <laughs> So unless you've been uh, under a rock, you may have heard of uh, Disney Plus launching its online streaming platform, um, Disney launching launching Disney Plus its online streaming platform, and unless you were under yet another rock, uh, now you'd be under two rocks. You would uh, you would know that the uh, the biggest thing that they got going for them on their streaming platform is the Mandalorian. All right, but uh, that's the theme. That's a really bad polyphonic rendition of the theme song, <laughs> but um. What that uh, what that show is is a spinoff of the Star Wars universe, uh, following a Mandalorian. It's literally inside the Star Wars universe. A spinoff inside the yes, it's a spinoff of the original Star Wars movie series inside of the Star Wars universe, in between uh, which would be in between Edwin. within Edwin. in between <laughs> episode six and seven. I do believe, if I have that correct. Don't ask me. I tried to figure it out. I couldn't figure it out. So. Yeah. Well. We'll, we'll nerd better later. We'll do anyway, better pirate that somewhere. It's good to watch. Yes, and uh, and if you had been under yet a third rock, what you would have now there's three rocks on you, which you may have heard in the immediate. Um, I believe like February 10th. I believe was when the initial cry, the cry went out from on high, uh, to finally cancel one uh, Gina Carano from the show because. She is obviously a raging bigot, and um, she must she must suffer, and that's uh, that's what happened. And so uh, they had been contemplating a potential spinoff of her actual character from the show. Her character is Cara Dune. Um, they had been comp- contemplating a spinoff show, um, and uh, spinoff of a spinoff. It's so many spinoffs. <laughs> Look, if Disney can make money at it, they're going to make money at it. Pretty soon, we're going to spin right out of control. Look, if Disney could start selling children to make money at it, they would sell children. I have no doubts. They, they are a heartless, soulless, Eve. You know what? Let's let's let's, let's slow down. So what? Why, why are you so upset? I mean, it's it's not like they congratulated communist China on their Uyghur camps or anything. Yeah, it's not like they. Well, it wasn't on their Uyghur camps specifically, but it was still like, hey, thanks, local governments. Who have enslaved Uyghurs <laughs> for letting us film right near where you enslave the Uyghurs, <laughs> where you're brainwashing them. Thank you for letting us do that. Uh, well, that's just who they are. Um, and if and and so having this potential spinoff series with Cara Dune, uh, her being a popular character, um, all gone, all gone, all done. Um, 
because they they had that was finally one last tweet that broke the camel's back. The straw that broke the camel's back, I believe, is how it was phrased. Um, and uh, and so she will uh, she was cut off from continuing to work with Lucasfilm and Disney um, in any continued series. Um, and she was dropped by her talent agency. And I believe Hasbro uh, was going to be uh, not making any more and or removing what existed of Cara Dune's um, action figure. Uh, so it was, it was just gonna, we're just going to try to wipe away all traces of Gina Carano existing um, inside of the Disney Mandalorian Star Wars sphere. Just gone. Um, why, though? Why did this happen? Well, you see... Is this the this is the section where we go into the post? Is that that's what I was thinking? Okay, great. Is that what you were thinking? I, I would love to explain what the post is. Well, I just want to make sure I didn't, same, read, same I didn't miss anything. All right, same same. Let me let, let me set let me set the table here. In this post, it looked Good, like I'm it was uh, look yeah, for real. Um, <laughs> let's set the table here. So we had we what we are looking at in this Gina Carano post, which we will link in the show notes um, to at least an image of it. Um, it has been attempted to be scrubbed from the internet, but whatever. Um, we are looking at a picture um, of a woman running away from various different peoples um, in different uniforms, carrying bats and clubs. Um, her clothes are obviously torn. It looks like her face is bloodied. Um, and the caption for the photo says this. It says, Jews were beaten in the streets, not by Nazi soldiers, but by their neighbors, even by children. Because, And then there's a quote. Because history is edited, most people today don't realize that to get to the point where Nazi soldiers could easily round up thousands of Jews, the government first made their own neighbors hate them simply for being Jews. How is that any different from hating someone for their political views? End quote. Now, what was out, supposedly outrageous about this um, is that... They claimed that Gina Carano is an anti-Semite, that she hates the Jews because she posted this. Uh, as a matter of fact, we're looking we're looking at a tweet right now that says, "quote As a Jewish person, this is effing vile," which I think is just terribly ironic that we use the word effing and then call something else vile uh, and unnecessary. Gina Carano needs to be held accountable. The oppression my people have faced because of our religion and ethnicity is not the same as political disagreements. Uh, and again, I do not think she really cares much about the religion due to the language that she uses. But regardless, um, that is... <laughs> How dare you? There is a very small star of David next to her name and her Twitter handle. You know, but also her profile picture from Game of Thrones. So, I mean, you know, at the same time, you yeah, can Yeah, you do. You got some questions. You're right about yeah, that. I didn't realize that. You know, um, I mean, her handle is Leah... Leia's Winterfell. Leia's Winterfell. Yeah. Well, so she likes Star Wars and Game of Thrones. But. Good job, Sarah. Moving along. <laughs> what the real the real problem here? And 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 is there is there some point to be made uh, from these posts? Let's let's see a couple other comments. Um, as after Gina Carano posted this, then the hashtag Fire Gina Carano became something very popular. Uh, don't worry, many other hashtags started after the. Firing set, but it's not really a firing because you have to be actively employed. Um, so they were they weren't currently filming any new Mandalorians. It was simply a "we'll never see you again" situation. Um, no, that Cara Dune thing is not happening, and uh, nope, your services will no longer ever be required again. That's kind of how it works. But as the hashtag Fire Gina, Gina, Gina Carano went around Twitter, you get comments like. Uh, one day we get a beautiful story about Pedro Pascal and his goodness and support for inclusivity, and the next we're reminded that Gina Carano has a lizard brain and should not be trusted around human beings. Or if that wasn't something that you enjoyed. Um, hashtag fire Gina Carano for, being, for believing racism isn't real, for mocking trans pronouns, for spreading COVID conspiracy theories, for supporting the White House insurrection, for being anti-mask, for posting anti-Semitic pics, and comparing being a Trumper to being Jewish during the Holocaust. Um, so in, in case you didn't know what all the rest of those were, um, there's, there's been other tweets that people have not liked from Gina Carano and all of those characterizations I just read in this, in this tweet 
um, are actually not really uh, good or fair characterizations of any of the tweets that they're, they're actually talking about. No, really. People mischaracterizing other people for their own po- personal political agendas? It's... It, I know. It's kind of... It just sounds so That doesn't happen. Um, but uh, I, I just... The, the real problem here, all these tweets actually answer uh, or, or affirm her original post. This is... Um, so what's, what's the tweet really about? So, so to really clearly nail down here, what, what is being mentioned now, it, it's not even her own words inherently. Um, you mean other people are anti-Semites? <laughs> yes. So when I'm going to have to cut the sarcasm at some point. When Gina Carano <laughs> posted this, it was a poorly, poorly screenshotted image uh, of a apparently a previous tweet from a page called Warrior Priest Gym Podcast, not J I M, G Y M, Warrior Priest Gym, like you work out podcast, um, and and so it's that post. That posted its comment uh, of Jews were beaten in the streets, not by Nazi soldiers, but by their neighbors, even by children. And then they had the quote, right, that Jesse read, because history is edited. Most people today realize, yada, yada. See how they already used a Jewish word, a little Yiddish, because we're talking about. All right, anyway. Um, And then it has the image. So this was a complete repost, all right, that Gina Carano posted. And the point of the post... um, is to bring to light the idea of what totalitarianism totalitarianism did inside of the National Socialist Party of Germany's movement um, movement in between World War One and moving into World War Two. And the point here was that you needed people to believe an idea so much so that they were willing to sacrifice any other outside thought um, to save, uphold, and promote the central idea. And that's that's what her purpose in saying was, once people do that, it doesn't matter what they hate you for. And I think the problem we have here is that some people mischaracterize that. They're mischaracterizing it um, I, I don't even believe what Warrior Priest Jim Podcasts intended to say was that hating someone for their political views and them, fill in the blank, being canceled or them uh, losing their job or them being kicked off of social media or them, any of, I don't think they were trying to equate any of those particular tangibles with the tangibles, right, of, of the gas chambers of of any right. any forced labor any murder of of the ethnic cleansing of the jews right conservatives getting kicked off twitter is not the same thing as jews being sent into a gas chamber and that and should be widely agreed upon right yes. however what 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 is missing is a critical is critical analysis of the fact right uh that obviously to be a jew is a is is an, it's an ethnicity. To to be a Democrat or a Republican is a political affiliation. One of those things is immutable, means it never changes. Your ethnicity doesn't change. But the other one is very mutable. You can fluctuate in between different uh, political parties or ideologies. You, th- those aren't immutable. Those are mutable characteristics. And so they're they're obviously different. But what the point of the post is, is that if you hate someone for an immutable characteristic... Or you hate someone for a mutable characteristic, it doesn't matter. The hatred is the same. And depending on, on the outcomes, you could have the same outcomes for both of those things because the hatred is the same. And, and that is the point of, of this post, and particularly this post connected to totalitarianism. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, why don't we, let's briefly define... Um, totalitarianism. Uh, in, in our men's group, we're going through the book Live Not By Lies by Rod Dreher, uh, which we so far commend to anyone to do, uh, or, well, to read. And should the book take a turn, we'll also tell you not, we'll also not commend certain parts of it. <laughs> right. Well, the good thing is we're doing this weekly, so, you know, we'll be able to let you know. Um, 
<laughs> but um, so in the very first chapter, he talks about um, authoritarianism and totalitarianism. Um, and authoritarianism, he, def he, he communicates, is what you have when the state monopolizes political control. This is a mere dictatorship. It's bad, certainly, but he says that totalitarianism is much worse. Um, borrowing ideas from a woman named Hannah Arendt, um, he, he goes on to say this about totalitarian societies. A totalitarian society, and this is in contrast to an authoritarian society, a totalitarian society is one in which an ideology seeks to displace all prior traditions and institutions with the goal of bringing all aspects of society under control of that ideology. Um, and again, he was, he was uh, citing Hannah Arendt as one of the main uh, contributors to that view on totalitarian societies. Her seminal work, by the way, is called The Origins of Totalitarianism. Particularly, she's speaking about Nazism and Stalinism that arose in communist Russia. So that's what her focus of that particular book is. And uh, she, is, uh, she is considered a, quite an expert in the ideas of totalitarianism. Fun, little fun fact, she also included in her book, The Origins of Totalitarianism, this quote. Totalitarianism in power invariably replaces all first-rate talents regardless of their sympathies. And it replaces them with those crackpots and fools whose lack of intelligence and creativity is still the best guarantee of their loyalty. What she's saying there is that totalitarianism takes anybody that has top-shelf, top-quality talent in any industry, in any field... And even if they agree with the idea, the ideology of that particular totalitarian regime, it rips them from whatever spot they're they're in and puts in the the crackpots and fools, right? Because they don't have the talent. Even if they were to grow a different idea, they don't have the talent to make it happen. So that makes them the most loyal to the idea. Um, that's which is just kind of ironic as we continually right. fire actors and writers and. <laughs> Well, yes, it's comedians and and um, so at, as you can see, Gina Carano's tweet is actually anti-totalitarian, not anti-Semite. What she's directly, actually, not her person, well, her personally, in in, the, in that she reposted it, but what what she's trying to communicate is that totalitarian regimes infiltrating ideas, turning brothers and sisters on one another to give them over to the government to start hating them just because they are a certain way or think a certain thing um that that is that that is wrong um and, and it only leads down dark paths um just as it, that same ideology did to um germany so her 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 post had literally nothing to do with hating jewish people between her personally and the Jewish people, it had everything to do with the dangers of that type of government of the or or of that type of system that allowed um, Jewish people to turn on one another, and and that's not that that has nothing to do with hating Jewish people at all, um, and it's it is it is ironic that. She, you're right. It, it, it is terribly ironic that she was then canceled for this because all that does is actually affirm um, the danger of totalitarian ideologies creeping into society. Hundred percent. One hundred percent. I mean, and the the individual, this uh, Sarah person that, that we got, you know, that called it, called out this tweet. She uh, posted a screenshot of Gina Carano's Twitter uh, being taken down. She calls it her badge of honor. And it's like, that's, that's literally, literally what, that's literally what the Jewish people did to the other Jewish people. They, they drove them out. They, they beat them. They told on them. They got them in trouble with the authorities because that totalitarian ideology had crept in from the governmental leadership from the state at the time. So it's it's just it, it is terribly terribly ironic the entire thing, it's it's just a it, it is such a condemnation of the lack of actual capacity to think, um, 
in our culture nowadays, but I suppose we'll save that topic for a different podcast. <laughs> um, so I, where, I suppose. Lead us, lead us somewhere next, Justin. Lead us somewhere next. Well, one of the things... One of the things that I think when you're going to start to to pull this into a conversation of right a cultural moment, a cultural issue that needs to be spoken uh, into with truth and with God's word, I I run back, and this is one of the things that really starts to get me. Um, and I'm going to mention this here, but then it'll come back towards the end as well. Um, and we've talked about this passage too. This is uh, this is one of the most destroyed passages of the Bible uh, inside of the ideas of uh, woke culture, um, particularly inside of uh, woke, wokeology, which is theology that has gone woke. Um, and it is the verse Micah 6, 8. Micah 6, 8 says this. This is uh, the prophet Micah speaking the words of the Lord specifically to his people. And he's specifically saying this to the nation of Israel. Now hear how clear what Micah's word, what God's words are through the prophet Micah. It says this, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, to love kindness, uh, many translations will use mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. And, and why does that, why does this particular uh, passage, how does it apply into this thread? Well, one of the things that I like to take this, uh, this verse and really shove it back, because here's what happens. Because this verse says, do justice, it has become a mantra of the woke church, the woke Christian ideas. Um, see, we are to do justice. The problem is, God's justice, as we've talked about in Is Justice Social?, which I believe, I'm going to tell you exactly what episode it was, just in case you know you want, you want to listen to it, because you probably want to listen to it. It was episode eight that we did on Is Justice Social. Um, uh, spoiler alert. It's not social. Spoiler. Right, right. See, the funny thing is, is that that they don't actually quote the verse. They they put the word social in front of the justice. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Justice is impartial. <laughs> now, here's the thing about the verse. It makes sense. You can't, right, love mercy, the second aspect here that, that God requires. You can't love mercy unless you do justice. Impartial justice applied to an individual uh, act, individual's actions, the consequences of that appropriately deemed um, as their violation of righteousness is justice impartial doesn't matter uh what color they are uh how rich they are how long their hair is none of that matters those would all make it partial justice impartial justice says none of that matters what matters is what did you do mm-hmm. all right well, so if you're and, gonna... well and to be more specific what did you do in relationship to god and his holiness amen that's that's the standard by which we determine if something is just or unjust but right? then we need to love kindness now you can't love mercy you can't love mercy unless you do justice. And you first must do justice. That is, being able to say what you did was unjust, all right? Your actions were unrighteous. Mercy is the withholding of a punishment that is deserved. It is pity. Right. So then you can, you can use, um, you can use that, that aspect, mercy... Right. Once you have done justice and because we are going to enact mercy, we must always remember that we walk humbly with God. There is one, a far greater judge. There's a far greater judge that we should walk humbly under. And that should cause us pause every time we're thinking about one um, enacting justice. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, We should be very cautious in enacting justice because we should always be walking humbly with God. We should be very careful in how we hand out mercy Mm -hmm. because there is also a holy God that does expect righteousness and justice. And so we walk humbly with God. And these things speak to this because the amount of overreaction from our culture um, is, is it's, it's stifling and it happens. It's happened so, so many times and so it's getting more and more frequent um, and there is there is no mercy in our culture, and there is no trying to understand, because the justice that we have decided to uphold 
is is not justice. It's it's all these very various forms of watered down justice. It's like it's like justice has become a platitude and not an actual thing. It's got no meat, no meaning. Um, yeah, it's it's arbitrary, and the thing that people don't realize about arbitrary justice is that. Just as you wield arbitrary justice, arbitrary justice can be so wielded against you. Absolutely. Uh, contextual justice is not really, you know, a super great thing. We don't base justice on gray. We base justice on, like we talked about earlier, God and his holiness. Something that is concrete and never changing and everlasting. Um, justice doesn't originate with man. <laughs> it just doesn't. Um, you know, but again, another podcast. So, um so you know we've got we've got two kind of different two kind of different topics. We have you know the topic of speech, what what we should be doing with our speech, how we um, as a society or as a culture should have traditionally valued speech, and what speech is increasingly becoming, uh, which is you know uh, troubling. But we also have that that idea of a culture without grace, like you mentioned. And um, so here's where we want to dive dive into the scripture a bit more. Um, because when, when we consider when we consider speech, right, um, you know the the founding fathers and and those um, predecessors of them whose works they drew upon um, really valued the free exchange of ideas. Um, I mean, there there are recorded discourses, very heated discourses between our founding fathers about what to do in this situation, what to do with that situation. There was certainly. A very very heated exchanges of ideas at times, direct, opposing, and not very gentle speech. Um, but but what they all stood for was the ability to actually communicate that speech, because when you stifle speech, that's when you get the centralization of power. Um, in in particular in this context with with the government who is see, with whatever body is seeking to control the speech right and in many ways like it's, it's an authoritarian it, right. Ment- mentality right right um and so but but when we look at the scriptures and we and we and we come to understand just how unique um the human capacity for for written and spoken languages are is uh, among the entirety of creation um you know, we can see that speech is something to be very much protected as something that is, um, you know, sacred in a way. And, and I, I believe that I actually have some grounds to say that because um, God himself uses speech um, to, to both create everything that we know to exist and also sustain everything that we know to exist. Right. And, and in doing that, so what I basically, what we're, what we're trying to do is we have some scriptures we can unpack in this particular area, but what we are saying is, um, is that the reason you would talk one, um, uh, against an idea, against the ideas of totalitarianism, um, is because the ability to speak and to speak freely is something that would be expected um, as 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 our as this the spirit document the founding document that we call the 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 spirit of America the Declaration of Independence would tell us right um, <clears throat> that you you have you have these rights that are unalienable and endowed from the Creator mm-hmm. uh, there is a objective source of these rights and and one of those one of those most definitely that they sought to maintain uh, in our Bill of Rights in our Constitution which would be like the um, the actual uh, uh, frame of our government. So if, if the Declaration of Independence houses the spirit of the reasoning of why the, the Constitution is the, the actual bones of the structure of government for us. And in the Bill of Rights, they sought to protect and preserve those unalienable, uh, given by creator rights. And what, namely, one of those, those first and foremost is the freedom of speech. Now, it's literally wrapped up in the first... Uh, right that we have in the Bill of Rights, the first one, and and because of that, it's super important. And why? Because God made it important. Mm-hmm. So what we're literally we got one, one, two, three, four, four, four scriptures here uh, that we can mention, and we don't even need to necessarily do all of them, but we can talk about some of these these pieces of these verses as well. Yeah, um, I mean, so let's let's always start at the beginning. <laughs> 
You mean like the very beginning? The very beginning, Genesis, Genesis chapter one. Back, uh, back, back in time. Way back in time. Um, you know, the beginning of the creation narrative starts off with, then God said. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But verse, verse um, three tells us how he did that. It says, then God said. And at each event of creation, God spoke things into existence. Boom. Um, and, and so from the very beginning of time itself, there was God's speech commanding it. Um, and then Psalm 33, verses 8 through 9, really plays on this very well. It says, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. So here in, in one verse, we have the idea that God spoke everything that exists into existence, and that by his speech, it stands fast. It holds together. Um Again, in Hebrews 1, verses 3, the Son, the, the Son, that is Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by, the, by his powerful word. In fact, in John, when, when John, the, the beloved disciple, goes to write his accounting of Jesus' life in the Gospel of John, he starts off his book in a very unique way by touching on the Greek idea of the logos, um, pulling right into pulling people from the entirety of culture a, a, a gospel that would be very suited for for ev for just the lay person to read and understand he uses this greek culture word of the logos so john 1 1 starts off taking us back to genesis but in a way that would connect it with the cultural idea and bring that cultural idea into the correct position of who god is it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God, and the word was God. That that every time you hear word there, it's the word logos. That's where we get our our concept of word, as well. And that that logos not only for them the idea of of word, but also of of speech and and speech being able to carry meaning. That that we are able to communicate was the way we were able to express and give meaning. Um, two things and four things. So the the logos is a super important Greek concept in Greek culture. Um, and then in verse fourteen, John literally puts meat on the bones here by talking more about this idea of what is this word that was there in the beginning that was with God and was God. He says in verse fourteen of John one, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory. The glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And that that logos, the 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 word, this the the meaning, the purpose becomes flesh. It's it's Jesus Christ. That's who he's speaking of. Mm -hmm. And so he attaches an a cultural idea that everyone will understand and gives it the true meaning that it needs to have, namely the fact that that this, this idea of Logos is present in God. And God not only is it present in God, but God came to us in the form of the God-man, Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and so we have these, these, all these ideas weaving together the, from the beginning of creation to the sustaining of creation to God even entering into creation to save um, humanity from its sin and, and, and the result of sin, death. Uh, we have this beautiful picture of the importance of speech and words and the, how they are important to God because God created one act, one particular species of the planet to be human. And that was created apart from all their creation in his image. And I believe you said that there's lots of, there's lots of things that actually do make humanity distinct from uh, other order of, of cre creation. But, but, they all kind of work together. So having an intellect, being able to reason and think, and all of those things would matter far less if you could not also communicate to, to be able to speak and then to be able to use speak and writing and speak and writing and, and being able to sign. All of these ways are we, are we are designed in such a deep and meaningful way to be able to offer glory to our creator, to give him the glory that is due him. That's why he made us this way. So we can't, we can't, we can't think in any way that we should be able, we should be taking away a free gift God gave, like like speech, from someone 
um, just because fill in the blank. It's not ours to take. It wasn't given by us, and therefore it can't be taken by us. Right. God God tolerates an insane amount of speech that is that is not correct or improper, even against his own name. Yeah, completely offensive. And, Wicked. And, and that just goes back to the to the No God, No Freedom, you know, podcast that we did prior as well. That that God that that Christians that that Christians have Christians are part of the worldview that contains the the only possible structure to allow for the greatest amount of human freedom um, and it's I, I totally lost where that thought was going um, but but it's it's the idea that God is so um, so gracious and so good that he allows people even to speak against him all the time um, and yet they continue to exist um, by the power of his word they exist um, and the realization that if he were to take that away he would be completely just in doing so but that he gives grace for yet another day for yet another opportunity to repent and turn to him um, is is an insane amount of grace and so the idea of God could restrict us so that we only say certain things, but that's not how he that's not how he created this earth and ordered it. He created it for people to be able to say um, things that he doesn't like um, and things that go against him, um, because in that freedom he can give the grace. Um, and it's not like we don't have an example of this. Because in 1782, when the peace treaty was finally signed to end the American Revolution, right, seven years later, the French had their own revolution. And the difference between the two, uh, the two revolutions is that America was basing its reasoning for even revolting against a tyrannical, um, you know, I don't even want to talk about why they were, why the, they thought they were tyrannical. It is absolutely crazy the amount of crap that we tolerate now as a we the people. Anyway. But but the, the, even the reasoning why they began the revolution was was founded and grounded in the concept that there must be some sort of objective source of morality, righteousness, and truth that gave these things. And it was the Christian value, the Christian word that they ran to. And you contrast that. So, so you have our, our founding in America, which we've gone over, but it has both enlightenment ideas that are founded and grounded in the the Christian faith. And it's that is the reason that is it is because of that that they're able to be sustained because there is an objective source because they don't actually just exist in a vacuum. You want to see how that looks like? Well, you go go you go research the French Revolution, see how long that actually lasted. How, how well did that go? Because that was only found solely in the idea of reason. In fact, reason became their god. Um, and let's just say, let's just say, the longest um, active constitution is not held by the French um, right. in, in, for in American history. So it's 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 in world history. So there's there's a reason for that. Mm -hmm. um, and this all plays this all plays into the idea that that is why it's, that that's why it's important to allow people to say things, mm -hmm. right? And, and even things I disagree with, I don't. But but here's the thing. I have a reason. I have an objective source that says I should. I I am compelled to let someone say something that I disagree with, and not to to stop them, bind them, to arrest them, or to silence them just because I don't agree with it. Doesn't mean I'm going to compel them to not be able to speak. Right. Um. <clears throat> and it's important to point out the other side does not have that. They do not have any reason to not let someone speak. And so we see very clearly, like even in this instance, the silencing of a voice mm -hmm. that has a dissenting opinion from the, and I'll just say it, the straight up totalitarian ideas of the cultural mass. Right. Well, the loud voices in culture. Right. Um, that kind of... I don't know. I don't know how you do a, a smoothish, smoothish segue here to our, our kind of final idea. How are we doing on time, by the way? Oh, I know. I forgot to check with you. Well, we're only at forty minutes. Oh yes. 
Um, you know we try to keep these under an hour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. Oh. Um, <laughs> you, you kid. <laughs> I joke, I joke, I kid, I kid. I had... There's, a, there's another as, aspect that I, I want to pull out because it kind of bothers me. The idea, and I, I've, I've used this phrase before, that what we're stuck in is a culture of groupthink. And that, that concept of groupthink is specifically taken from the book uh, by um, Orwell, 1984. His ninth is book, 1984. And the book, 1984, although I will point out, um, or, uh, Orwell was actually uh, far more a socialist than anything else. Um, so that's kind of his view. But his his book actually pulls on many ideas of totalitarianism that were present in the communist idea, particularly in, in Stalinism and in Nazism, which both stemmed from um, Marxism and socialism. So it's it's very it's very interesting here. Um, but he was he was much he had a much more different Can't view. Can't get everything right. <laughs> he had a much more different view of what that socialism would look like. Right. But he knew what it should not look like, absolutely. And so the idea of groupthink, that there is an idea that, that um, if enough loud voices have, it becomes what must be the idea. And any dissenting ideas would be rejected comes from the idea in 1984 of what he calls doublethink. And doublethink was the concept that you could, have, you could hold in your mind two opposing ideas and have both of them be true. Um, and, and this basically boils down... Uh, uh, to a scene where the what the the governing authority in the book called the party, right, um, was was able to was was would, would try to brainwash. It would try to to brainwash people uh, if they were to dissent into thinking correctly. But the correct the correct answer to any question was only one answer. And so when the when the the protagonist in the story. Um, is 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 given the simple math problem of two plus two, right? And and they and when he gives the answer of four, right? That's not correct. Or if he gives the answer of five, that's not correct. The correct answer is whatever the party says it is, right? That's the idea here. Who is the loud voices and who is yelling? Who has who has the most money or the most followers or the they're the ones that get to uh, identify, right? what is the correct view to hold the correct ideology to have and so it's it's just this kind of horrible thing we do we take a person like Gina Carano okay we 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 also we ultimately forget that we took a strong female character in a incredibly popular show and we canceled her because her viewpoint wasn't what we wanted it to be now is the Holocaust a hard thing to use as a comparison for just about any situation? Absolutely. It doesn't map on. It's not same-same. Right? right? And so you can, I can see why some people would make the point that um, I think, it's, I think there is a, it's, it's a little not quite genuine to map the Holocaust of the Jews onto the hatred of political ideas. In some places, right? It doesn't map well into American culture because we're not gassing people for having a differing, a dissenting view Right, but let's be clear: they have, in other cultures throughout time, gassed people for having a dissenting political view. <laughs> they have. So, so we must we must be careful to not think that that is not possible. Rather, it's not happening actively. That's the whole point of the post. Let's be that careful to make of. sure we don't <laughs> to make sure that we don't have it happen. Um, and and like, I just it's just so. I mean, they they had. There's other tweets. There's been other tweets. They they don't like Gina Carano. She has she has what would be a, a significantly more conservative idea of a viewpoint than than what is present in most Hollywood studios, and and that's a problem for them. I mean, they had pushed on her to um a step put her pro, put her pro, preferred pronouns in a Twitter profile, right? And she, I, first of all, it's just so insult. Just it's very insulting at this point to ask Gina Carano to do that, who herself built a MMA fighting career as a female athlete, right? An elite female athlete. It's kind of it's kind of ridiculous and insulting to 
require her to put her pronouns in her Twitter post. If you don't know what they are by now, then you'll never know what they are. And, and her response was that she she was going to choose. She wasn't going to put them in her profile, but she did tweet out that she would choose to use beep, bop, and boop. And, <laughs> and apparently that was she. You know what? I'm just going to read the tweet because I think I think she she says it pretty <laughs> she says it pretty clearly. That's amazing. And it is it is funny, right? It is humorous that 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 is that she that she said that. Uh, I want to find it and say it clearly. Oh, here we go. Um, her tweet her tweet announcing this was, uh, yes, Pedro Pedro Pascal is the is the actual character Mandalorian in the series Mandalorian. That's his actual name, is Pedro Pascal. Yes, Pedro Pascal and I spoke, and he helped me understand why people were putting them in their bios. Uh, this is coming from September of 2020. I didn't know before, but I do now. I won't be putting them in my bio, but good for all of you who choose to. I stand against bullying, especially the most vulnerable and the freedom to choose. They're mad because I won't put pronouns in my bio to show my support for trans lives. After months of harassing me in every way, I decided to put three very controversial words in my bio. Beep, bop, and boop. I'm not against trans lives at all. They need to find less abusive representation. Her, 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 she's communicating against <laughs> the totalitarian ideas that are creeping into our culture. That's what she's communicating against. She says, no, I don't care if you want to be a trans human being. That's not my point. But what you need to stop doing is being abusive, right? Because she already said she doesn't like bullying and she's not going to bully somebody. And then you're going to bully her into putting pronouns as a decorated female athlete. It just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. In support of not bullying. <laughs> oh my God. Right. And and this is where the culture, it's just these ideas eat themselves. These ideas can't stand. There's nothing solid under them. Right. Um, and so this is why it's important for us to, to defend, right, people's ability to say things. Because once one idea becomes the only idea, you are in totalitarianism and any dissenting view will be addressed harshly. Mm-hmm. Now, that harshly may vary, right? If I say, um, I'm not going to say it, but if someone were to say, right, that they hated um, Polish people, right, <clears throat> pick an ethnicity, and they were going to lash out at them, and somebody also said that they hated Republicans and were going to lash out at them, the two things that are being hated changed, but the hate did not, and the lashing out did not. So that that's a that's a different that's a difference that's a distinction without a difference. It doesn't actually change what is happening and the outcome. Right. Um, and so we need to be careful. We need to guard against totalitarian ideas. We need to, we need to push back against them and say no. This is this is not okay because it's important for everyone to be able to speak. That's how we hear good ideas and bad ideas. It's how bad ideas are shown to be bad ideas and good ideas shown to be good ideas. Yeah, and uh, we'll, we'll definitely link uh, to a couple of different uh, interviews with Rod Dreher on his book, Live Not By Lies, because it, it, it captures the, it, it captures the, um, the, the totalitarian ideologies that are creeping into our culture um, so well, and it really um, it really prepares people for standing up against that. That's why the book is patterned after um, a phrase by Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Solzhenitsyn, yes, I totally did that from memory. Um, you know, where where in one of the, one of his final speeches, he he, ta- he his one of his final encouragements was to live not by lies. That there are lies that they are speaking that we cannot be afraid to speak out against. And the very least you should do is to not live as if they are true. Do not, yeah. Don't go along. You can't give them the ground. But the other, the other thing I would always say is that in, in a Christian is compelled to actually speak truth when confronted. Um, that is one of the things I think the Bible is pretty clear on. We should, oh, yeah, we should, definitely. We, we should be able to speak the truth. I'm not saying we need to. I, I did say when confronted. I'm not saying it's... 
if you're doing a good work, you don't want you don't need to you know draw attention to yourself that would cause you know do good work to end and, and die. You, but it, when addressed you know clearly, we should be able to stand wholeheartedly on what God has called us to stand on. Yes. So, to bring this into like a practical realm, though, all right. So we want to defend people's ability to speak. I, I, I feel confident in saying that I don't think me and Gina Carano agree on everything. What I am very, very clear about is uh, is standing up to people that are trying to silence her by saying she was saying something hateful because she was not. By saying people were, had their feelings hurt and so we must uh, we must remove Gina Carano. No, no, feelings are not determinative. We've done a podcast. Okay? It's mm. called All the Feels. Feelings are determinative. So just because someone feels that way, you have to be able to establish that by some sort of standard, right? And an, a, an objective standard outside of subjectivity. That's what emotions are, subjectivity. And outside of that, you have to be able to establish a standard or else, sorry, I'm really sorry if you feel that way, but that is not what was being said. Um, identifiably, you are wrong. So so we, we, we need to be able to allow people to speak. Now, when someone is saying something that is... Um, that is uh, hateful, clearly. I mean, we, we want to speak out back against that. That person should feel diminished in their hateful words, right? They should not feel comfortable for saying what they did. Right. When someone doesn't say something that is genuinely hateful, then we need to pull back and address it with good argumentation, logical, sound reasoning. We need to have good dialogues back and forth. One of my, one of my favorite apologetic resources, uh, which is ironically entitled Mama Bear Apologetics, um, you know, the, the women in our church are going through their book currently, which is fantastic. It's a wonderful, wonderful book. Yes, just to be uh, clear, we uh, we haven't actually done anything on transgenderism, but we do have a men's group and a women's group um, <laughs> at our church, in case you hadn't caught that yet. Um, but you were saying. Yes. Uh, but, you know, one of the things that they always say is we, we demolish ideas, not people. We don't tear people down, but we practice good argumentation and we refute the bad ideas. We don't live by lies amen we, we know the truth by spending time in prayer to god um in the presence of his people and in the um truth of his word and then we take that truth out wherever we go and we we must uh stand up for it um uh, but we must stand up for it in a way that still acknowledges the humanity of the people that we are speaking to or else you know we've kind of missed the whole point yeah yep so so to bring this into a practical uh, realm, to pull this out of the uh, huge, big totalitarian ideas where we're, where we're compelling uh, and forcing one particular idea to be the only idea because the loudest voices or the, the richest voices or the most popular voices say one thing, and to bring this into the practical, to pull it out of the groupthink and, and explain something that's very clear for all of us to understand inside of any culture. Inside of any culture, and that is the fact that a cult that you don't, you do not, you do not want to live in a culture without grace. Mm. It is a, it is a horrible place to be. Living in a culture without grace and forgiveness, it gives us no hope of redemption, none. And who, who wants to live like that? Nobody. Nobody wants to live that way. One thing you've said wrong, one something you've done. I mean, we've seen it. We've seen it so many times, right? And just in the past year or two, where somebody does something and and it, it, it could have been, this is what's mind-blowing, it could be a perfectly good thing that they were doing actively. Or it could be an award they were getting for some sort of achievement that they actually tangibly did. And we're going to jump back 10, 20 years, 30 years from the end of their history into their past into a news clipping from some story when they were in grade school that shows that they were some sort of awful, evil, bigoted, disgusting, vile human being and we're just going to wipe out everything that person's ever done since they were 20-odd years ago because they, they couldn't possibly have changed, grown, adjusted, or right. in any way um, refined what they were thinking. Right. Right? Because... Everyone is a completely finished work when they're, you know, 8, 10, 16, 18 years old. Well, of course. Well, I mean, and, it, and it's funny because, like, even even when, you know, when I'm, say, when I'm talking to my wife about something that I've been thinking about, like, I, I, I have different positions now than I did three months ago on certain things, than a, a year ago. And, and isn't that just life? I mean, we're not supposed to look the same. 
you know, day after day, year after year. We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to grow and change. And the goal of a Christian is to change and become more like Christ. You know, we're supposed to forsake <clears throat> forsake sin and cling to Christ. And that, that's that's what the mark of a believer looks like over time. But but even even people who are not, they, they still have the capacity because they are made in the image of God to, to change and shape and and to, to have better ideas, to have bad ideas, live them out and then realize that they're bad and change. I mean, that's, and that's like, that brings us to like, just the idea of th this whole apology culture that we have, where people are being forced to apologize to, to save their political careers or to save their actual careers. It, it misses the whole point of apologizing for something. You know, um, I, I was, I was kind of, I was, on the internet cesspool Reddit the other day, looking for some internet cesspool, and they were, you know, they were saying, "Oh, this, you know, they were." It was what were they talking about? They were talking about the snowstorms and the, all the ice and stuff in Texas, and they were saying, "Oh, Ted Cruz is found on a plane going to Cancun," and I'm like, "You know what? If that's true, uh, I feel like if I were a leader, I would want to be where my people are, and that's probably bad leadership." But at the same time, like. There's nothing that Ted Cruz could possibly. I mean, if he was there, there's nothing that Ted Cruz could possibly say at this point that would ever meet whatever arbitrary justice this crowd has. Because nowadays, apologies are just to save what you have. They're not actually to apologize for doing something you think was wrong. Because our culture doesn't understand that people can change. <laughs> we're supposed to acknowledge when we do something wrong, and we're supposed to apologize for it, and we're supposed to be different from that on. One mistake doesn't disqualify someone from being able to continue in their same capacity necessarily certainly not something depends, depends on what it is certainly but, certainly not something in this in, in the instance you're talking about where something looks bad but it actually isn't bad like right. for example it's not bad if you if you i mean i don't believe ted cruz told and people they couldn't leave the state of texas they actually had to stay in their homes and and if it was frozen they had to stay there i don't think he said that uh, i think i think you know the best case scenario, you know, everybody has the means to go to Cancun, and and you know, everybody can go to Cancun. Uh, but if not, it's not wrong for him to go to Cancun. It looks bad. It's not a choice I would have made inside of my political construct, knowing that I'm a public figure. Um, but at the same time, uh, I, I, what's he going to do? I, I guess he could be like better at work and hand out food that other people brought together and and put it in a place where I can be a set of hands. He could be a set of hands, certainly. But actually, his main goal is not Beto O'Rourke's. His main role is not Beto O'Rourke's. Beto O'Rourke, he doesn't have anything to do because he's not a politician. Um, what Cruz could do is, you know, go Praise to the Lord. go be a legislator. That's what he could do. I mean, he, he's a legislator, which presumably, I guess, he could do from Cancun if he, you know, wanted to. What with technology the way it is now, um, but legislating to get funding um, as they control the purse strings, right? Those are ways in which that he could he could move the needle on this, but. Uh, it's just it's just such an optical thing and to apologize what are we apologizing for i mean um i'm sorry i'm sorry i went on vacation i'm really sorry i went on vacation it's really bad timing it really doesn't look good and i'm sorry it doesn't look good is that what we should apologize for and what kind of apology is that right. why are we cheapen everything we just cheapen right. everything it, it defeats the purpose of the apology the apology an apology is acknowledging that you've done something wrong um there, there is a level of remorse there that you feel that we feel when we do things wrong that hurt other people. That's it. There, there is that that guttural reaction to that. There's the acknowledgement that it was wrong that you wronged them or somebody, and there's the the planning and the going forward with with repentance and changing, and the, the genuineness of apologies is just completely lost on our culture. Um, you know, it's it's a shame when 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 all an apology is is something to save your career. You miss the entire point of apologizing, and you and you you live the lie that people can't change. You know, when you don't actually do it the right way. Uh, one of the one a verse I was going to share to kind of bring this idea of grace back into the picture um, was James four verse six, um, and this comes so this comes in the context of uh, in which James in writing his epistle. Um, is is speaking about he actually he's referencing several several scriptures Old Testament scriptures scriptures at once, um, and what he is saying is if you if you want to actually like have a relationship with God and people like together if you want to have a good relationship then there's some things you have to do 
there's some ways in which God says it works. So I'll actually back up and I'll pick it up uh, in verse 4. So James 4, 4 says this, You adulterous people, which is always a great way to start a verse. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose that it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? And what, what we have here is this clear understanding. God is jealous. We, are to, we have been built, designed, made in his image to glorify him. Um, and, and if we want to be friends with God, if we want to have friendship, relationship, um, kindredness with God, we're going to we're going to have to make sure we're not instead being the friend of the ideas in the world. They're two different things. They're opposed. Right? And he is jealous over us. He desires us to come into relationship with him through his son. Verse six continues. <clears throat> but he gives more grace. And that's the good news. We we act adulterous to, towards God, but guess what? He gives more grace. And then he quotes, so he, he just quoted an Old Testament passage when he said, he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. Now he's about to quote another Old Testament passage from Proverbs. All right. So verse six says, but he gave, he gives us more grace. Therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And the whole concept is, is in this moment, right? We must be humble. We must be, we must be, we must not be arrogant jerks. That's what the proud is. Mockers, scoffers. God opposes those people. He has grace for the humble. And if we can just take half a second and be humble enough to let other people have differing ideas and have conversations and not just exclude them, shut them off, give them no offer, no hope of repentance, no way to change and no grace to move forward with, um, then I think our culture should be fully ready to embrace the fact that they are total and complete enemies of God. And God opposes them. Mm -hmm. God is in opposition to them. And I would much rather not have our culture be opposed by God. Um, I would I would rather have our culture be be um, imitating the righteousness and character of God. That's that's what I think we should aim at. We, we need a change here, right? Yeah, and and we we can only change when we accurately understand where we act, where we are currently. Um, you know, and which is why which is why I I find recording this podcast and and what what our hope is for y'all is that. Um, the podcast does accurately depict where, where we are so that we can get a good trajectory of where we're going, as well as provide solutions and resources for how to get there, too. So, Yeah, and something you can throw out to your friends if you, if you have a, if, it, if it fits this, the discussion you're having and something that arms and equips you. Yeah, I'm just going to repeat what you just said and right. uh, apparently say it again. Well, and that's, as, long as, as long as we're in agreement. Yeah, fine. well, we are in agreement, and I'm going not, to not stop being redundant. All right, well, let's uh, let's wrap up now. Now, before we go, though. How we do time-wise, though? I'm just curious. Oh, my gosh. This doesn't count. This, this announcement does not count towards we, our we time. We can figure this out after. Uh, we're at a minute, an hour and three minutes. All right, well, we're pretty darn close. I'm going to take that. Jesse, do you have... I feel like there may be... Like, you want to make a big announcement right now? You want to announce something? There's going to be a very interesting unique thing because given our long-standing record of podcast history um, we will be having um, a special edition carpe fide episode um, with alex rodriguez of the men's muster um, we will be recording that live um, with our uh, with our men's group alex is coming to new jersey that'll be in uh, two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. Uh, he'll be coming with us doing a, a men's muster boot camp on courage uh, for the men here. Uh, we've we've had Alex uh, last year, I guess, right before COVID hit. Thank God. Thank yeah, God we did that. Before, it was Holy right before God. COVID hit. Yeah, we were right, involved before. Uh, but and that was just such a wonderful time. Uh, he runs he runs the men's muster ministry. Um, he's got his own website at thenarrowpath.com. And um, we're going to be uh, doing doing a live live podcast recording episode with him, 
And uh, we're really excited about that. So we have a topic picked out. We might do some questions. It might end up being a little longer of a podcast. Longer, interactive. Um, but uh, but people that's, button in, joking. We don't ever do. We don't do that. That is that is uh, something we're looking forward to to doing. Um, we actually we're we're actually that's one of the reasons we're we're going to do that. We're launching this this podcast this week um, is because we're not we're going to table the uh, the discussion on the. Uh, Chinese Communist Party's uh, view of masculinity in its schooling. We're going to table that to, to talk about it with Alex because one of the things we are focusing in on on the Men's Week is the idea that we need to be courageous men um, in the culture, and uh, that'll kind of fit there. So we're going to we're table that for two weeks from now. That's when we'll talk about that particular topic. We're excited to hang out with Alex, um, and hopefully he doesn't make us look too dumb. I, I feel like I feel like he does. He's he's got some good. He speaks real good, mm. and I I just don't speak so good. You know, <laughs> sometimes um, the words is they the just words don't. is <laughs> words is very hardened hardens in the words is. Um, so we're looking forward to that. We also want to say, please feel free to like uh, the podcast if you're listening to it on an Apple, if you're listening to it on Android, if you're listening to it on Stitcher or. I don't know. What are the other apps? I don't know. There's so many. There's so many. Spotify. Whenever you listen to it, leave a review and a rating. Um, uh, unless it's a bad one, and then don't leave it. Um, <laughs> uh, if you have any pushback, please use the social medias. Like, if you want to say, hey, I think that's really dumb and you're an idiot, go ahead and say it on social media. It's okay. We, we actually just made a whole podcast defending your right to say it. Uh-huh. So please feel free to say that on the socials. Well, the Facebook um, agrees. That's <laughs> yeah, that's totally different. But we'd love for you to interact with you on that. And I will say this also, it's super exciting. We're gonna be dropping merch soon. Oh man, we got some merch coming. I'm so I'm so, I'm literally smiling right now because I'm just so happy. It's pretty exciting uh, to be able. We got a, we got a super awesome T-shirt that we're gonna be releasing in a very limited quantity, and uh, and if people like it, we can do a much larger quantity. That's totally cool. But, uh, I'm done. But I'm excited. I'm excited to do it. It's uh, something we wanted to do, and yeah. So well, look look for that. Look for that on the uh, on the social announcements because that's coming very soon. Yeah. So, lots of announcements, uh, but uh, we will wrap up now. Um, well, we're, gl- we're glad to spend this time with you. There's literally no way to segue into Seize the Faith, but no. either way, they should just do it. They yeah. need to seize the faith. This was awesome. Um, so, uh, go out there and seize, seize the, the faith. faith. <laughs> <laughs> what a botched thing. <laughs>